Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You're watching Oilers Nation every day with Heather Remchuk. Your one-stop shop for all things Oilers. Skinner, Cece. The coaching of Vander Kane. Who should we blame for that loss last night? Let's get into it with the lead. Welcome into Oilers Nation every day, streaming live on the Oilers Nation YouTube. And as always, from the Sports Closet Studio, check them out online at sportscloset.ca or in one of their three locations in the Edmonton area, Short Park Mall, St. Albert Mall, or Kingsway Mall. The lead today, Liam, that actually might have been the game of the year. Quinton Byfield earlier in the week scored the goal of the year. Last night might have been the most entertaining hockey game on the NHL calendar this season. That was unbelievable. That was two teams who are legitimate heavyweights, but both legitimately flawed in yeah. different ways. Just blow after blow after blow. It was awesome. It was awesome. And it was basically like 11 goals were all mistakes. It was kind of crazy, actually. What <laughs> good, really? Because we saw Boston and Edmonton play last year, and both games were so tight and so close. Yeah, I think they split them, right? Yeah, and the one Edmonton win was like three, two. Like it was yeah. tight games, and that's what I expected last night. But what I got was pure chaos. But basically, sixty, what was it, sixty-three minutes or whatever it yeah. was, like unreal game. Shame about the outcome, but at least we were entertained until you know, basically the sun came up because the game started in the middle of the night. Yeah, again, that game was awesome. It's just a damn shame not to do the whole schedule maker thing again, but schedule makers had that one starting at 1020 Eastern time. Come on. So basically, you know, what would you say? I don't know the exact numbers, but what 70, 80% of hockey fans weren't awake to watch the most entertaining parts of that hockey game. It really was a damn shame. Um, but that hockey game, absolutely unbelievable. It really did give you a little bit of everything. The Bruins opened the scoring. Warren Fogle ties it up. He looked good. Next to Connor McDavid, you can see the full scoring summary here. Uh, Mason Lowry, Lowry, Lowry. I don't even know how to say it. Where is it? He's down at the bottom there. Three, three apples three in the apples. game. Played a career high. I thought it was someone in the chat. No, no. That guy. <laughs> career high, career high in minutes yesterday. Although he played like twenty three something, and three twenty of it came in that one shift at the end of the second period <laughs> when the Oilers just had them absolutely hemmed in the offensive zone. The crowd was getting insanely cool. loud during that part. Like Boston, there was a point where the Oilers were cycling it on from my seat, like the far right-hand corner. And Brandon Carlo was in front of the net with no one around him, just stick on his knees bent over. <laughs> and it was like, damn, like they, the Bruins are down bad right now. Um, that was that, a brutal icing call, the second one that they called on them. That I, was awful. I can't believe they didn't bring it back to center ice. Me neither. That was right on the line. Like yeah. It was clear. I would have been, well, they were furious. That was not icing. Yeah. Uh, Jim Montgomery was absolutely losing his shit right on the bench. So, yeah. And it, it was pretty funny to see. Um, but anyways, it's a 6-5 overtime loss for the Oilers. And we'll get into the negatives. We'll get into the positives. There's kind of a part of me that walked out of that game last night, even though there were some serious frustrations throughout it. Kind of yeah. like you were down 4-1 to a decent, uh, really good team in Boston. I know they've been sputtering as of late, but you were down 4-1 and you found a way to salvage a point. I, I have a hard time being overly disappointed for that. I'm a bit mixed on it too, because they put themselves in that spot from being terrible. You know, the second yep. period's and haunting this team so much. And, since the All-Star break, they've really just... Well, I shouldn't say since the All-Star break. Since the Vegas game, they've just not been the same team, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the, defense, the play in the defensive zone has been brutal for basically just second periods. Yep. And they, I think every game back now, they've allowed three or more goals. And before that, they were barely allowing anything. They were one of the best underbets in the league. And now it just feels like 
every time they come down the ice, it's a bit of like uncertainty what's going to happen. And I know a lot of people want to blame Skinner and, you know, that second goal Brad Marchand scored was bad. There's no denying it. But I mean, come on, like, look at what's happening in front of him too. Like the team is just not playing very well defensively right now. Yeah, that was... Uh... That second period, all those goals came with some sort of, I'd say, close to grade A level mistake in front of Stuart Skinner. Like that Brad Marchand one, people were kind of giving me shit on Twitter because they were like, oh, Cody Cece kept his guy outside the dots. That read Cody Cece made at the top of the blue line made absolutely zero sense. Why he followed that guy and did a loose curl. Like, again, sure, he got back and like kind of kept him to the outside to some extent, but that just didn't make any sense at all. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with our replay there. Yeah, it's not working, working, but whatever. Like just not anticipating what's going to happen. Like even the what was it, the Jake DeBrusque goal mm-hmm. too. I know they play like a bit of a zone defense or whatever, but also like Cody CC, you if you you don't go to the blue line, man. Yeah. <laughs> like come on, what do you do? Like until you, he's a veteran defenseman. If yep. Evan Bouchard was doing that stuff, we'd absolutely kill him for it. But it's Cody CC who's supposed to be our top pairing guy on the right side, and. To me, he was at fault for, I'll, I'll say one and a half goals because Skinner should have had that goal. Yeah. But it comes from that. And then the DeBrusque one. It's like, man, like, where are you going? You know, like DeBrusque basically just got a free pass to the net. Yeah. It, it was stunning. Um, Warren Fogle puts his second of the game home later on in the second period with about four and a half minutes to go. That gave the Oilers some momentum because they were great in mm. the final three minutes of that period. And then they rolled it over to just a fantastic start in, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Just just right give up on him. Um, Matthias Janmark scores with his stick. Wow. That is significant. And then the goal that I'll dub our Alberta, or sorry, our Douglas Mattress moment of the game, Liam, for our friends at Douglas Mattresses, a locally owned and operated Edmonton company. You can get yours today at douglas.ca slash Oilers Nation. These mattresses are handcrafted in Canada, ensuring the highest quality materials and fastest delivery to you. It was a late night last night. I was up bright and early today, but mm. I still feel rested because I got a solid seven hours of shut-eye on my Douglas mattress. I was mad after the game. Come home, head hits the pillow, body on the Douglas mattress. Boom, I'm out like a lightly. Am I sleep good? Kicking and screaming all night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, support a locally owned and operated, not just a Canadian Albertan company. It's an Edmonton owned and operated company. Douglas.ca slash Oilers Nation. Uh, Corey Perry's goal. That's my moment of the game, man. 4-3, he goes to the net. Not only does he deflect the puck first, because he doesn't get that yeah. rebound if he doesn't deflect it first, deflects it down off the pads, shoots right back to him, and then really nice touch around the net really for good. Corey Perry. He fires it home. The celebration was awesome. I was laughing my ass off with him. Just the deadpan like stare <laughs> ahead with his arms out. And it was just like, what's going on right now? And then in the arena, you know how on the Jumbotron they do like, I don't know if people who don't go to the games, I guess, wouldn't they know do, this. Like, things for each player, right? Yeah. All so like things. when Zach Hyman scores, they have a little animation that says uh, "Scory time with Zach Hyman. And it's a children's book. Yeah. They also have a new one they debuted last night. That was all about his gaming company. So it had like a cool little thing. Uh, When Yamamoto was on the team, the scoreboard would fill up with yams and it'd say it's yam time. Uh, They have a cap. Yeah, they had a a Bison King one. They have a Nuge one. They have a Captain Connor one that does a cool little thing as well. So they kind of have like unique player animations for a bunch of their kind of big guys, we'll call them. Corey Perry scores yesterday. They debut a Scory Perry thing on oh, the board. Cool. And then in the next TV timeout, they played Corey's in the house, the Corey in the house theme song. The DJ's good. The Shout DJ's out Bows. Shout yeah. out Bows. Um, but that was really cool, man. I mean, he's chipped in a handful of goals now since coming over mm-hmm. to the Oilers. He got in a tilt in that game against the Bruins, which I know he got the extra penalty and all of that. But, uh, and the Bruins scored on the power play. Like that didn't go great, but I liked that Corey Perry was at least willing to mix it up a little bit. And when things weren't going well for the Edmonton Oilers, um, he, he found a way to try to get momentum going back in their, in their favor. And then he scores the big tying goal as well. So I loved what we got from Corey Perry last night. That's my moment of the game for Douglas mattresses. Before I get my moment of the game, I, I think the Oilers are starting to find ways to play Perry. I don't think you can just be like, okay, Corey Perry, you're playing on the first line with McDavid and Dreisaitl today. Yeah. It's okay, Corey Perry. We need you for the shift to go and play with A and B, whoever it may be. Right? I think yeah. he's just a spot guy. I think you can play with him in many different ways, and I I think that's, that's the way they gotta utilize him the most because he's effective. 
he's a guy who's going to go to the net and do that kind of stuff. Right. So yep. great game by him. My moment of the game though, is actually going the, to the opposite team, the opposition team, Jeremy Swayman's glove save on Leon Dreisaitl in the, in OT time. Well, that was a it game was, definer because the Oilers win that hockey game if it's not for that. Yeah. So for me, that was that was the moment that changed well the outcome of the game, obviously. But like he was he was not very good. Neither goalie had banner nights by any no. means. Like how many of those goals the Oilers scored? Perry would be one, Yanmark would be one, Hyman's the next game dying goal, the five-five goal Hyman. Those were all Swayman spitting rebounds right back oh, into yeah. the slot. Yeah, so there's three of the five. And then what, Fogel? I think both Fogel's goals were pretty much just Fogel working his ass off to get something going. And then you look at the other end too, and there were just mistakes by the Oilers again. And, you know, like Skinner had some good saves in that game too because the Oilers just kept leaving like guys like Pasternak open in the slot. And he's like, what are we doing? Like, So, yeah, my moment of the game is swimming because that you needed your goalie to show up at one point. One other team did. And, and hey, Skinner, to his credit, had the big stop shortly after as well against... Uh, JVR, but Swayman was uh, my moment of the game for that glove save. Yeah, man. When the Oilers get a four on three power play, it feels like a lot of times it should be automatic that they go out there and end the hockey game. That was not the case because Swayman played so well. I also feel like they maybe like Evan Bouchard missed the net three times in overtime. And I know that you live by the sword, die by the sword, and they've won two games in overtime because of Bouchard's willingness to throw the puck on net. Mm. It's difficult to pick corners on an NHL goalie, but that was not a great look. It's interesting how different the power play is in overtime than it is to uh, five, uh, you know, a regular period, mm-hmm. whatever. Like they are willing to just like let Bouchard unleash. He's basically the only person that has like he set. Yeah. He's, they set him up. And what I didn't like about yesterday too is that it was seemed very stationary as well. Like yeah, it was, was just they here. stayed in their little call it a diamond with Hyman in front, McDavid, Nuge, and then Bouchard on the point. They stayed like that and didn't really move from that. There was never a point where McDavid did like the, I'm going to grab the puck, bring it all the way kind of around the top of the umbrella, you could call it, get to the other side, try to throw off the D a little bit. Like it was basically just stationary and either forcing a feed to dry sidle or letting Bouchard take wild wristers. Like there wasn't, that power play was not a good attempt considering the game was online. The the power play without Ryan Agent Hopkins too is almost completely different. And you could tell in moments they almost didn't know where to be a little bit as well. Like his presence was greatly missed last night and they change it so much. Like Kane doesn't just like fill in for Nuge and play that role. Yeah, He basically is just like in the slot with, with Hyman there. Right. And Hyman's in that front. Kane's a bit further up. And then that's how they run it. And it just doesn't work. But like, I don't know who like Nuge is almost irreplaceable a little bit. And he's in just the way he is, you know what I mean? He's very calm with the park. Like there, he'll shoot. He's a good passer. Yep. They know this don't really have another guy like that who can, you know, honestly, I don't think they have another guy like that. There was a play in the first period Oilers on the power play where either dry seller or McDavid slung a pass right in front of the net and Kane was all alone and it was just a little in his feet and he couldn't quite hold it and yeah. he fell down. I have seen Ryan Nugent Hopkins cleanly pick up a puck like that and throw it low blocker a hundred times. It feels like in his Oilers career. And I think that right there showed just how much they missed him on the power play. The other thing too, is coming out of the four on three. What was Chris Knobloch forced to do play Evander Kane in overtime. And I mean, maybe I shouldn't say forced all that well, but we'll talk about that in a second. But if you would have had Nuge to go out there for that D zone face off, probably a different outcome of the game. I I said that right. As if Mm -hmm. the power play was going through, I was watching it with my dad and I said, you know what? If they don't score on this, the trouble is now you come out and they have Pasternak, Marshall, and McAvoy, mm-hmm. and knew others have fully rested. Whoever they are, what was it? McLeod, Kane, and Nurse. Like, yeah, three good players. Don't get me wrong, but like that's a big difference in talent. I was chatting with someone yesterday who was like, "Why would Knobloch? You have a D zone draw against those three guys coming up." And I know Ekholm got on the ice at the end of the four on four, I believe. Why would you not have gone nurse and Ekholm? There? Yeah, because he's done that before. Yeah, to like start yep. the game, you know. And, and if they win yeah. the draw, one hops right off and a forward comes on. Yeah, it's interesting. His now blocks. It. I'm not questioning him. Actually, no. I will. His decision making has been really weird. I think and yesterday like last, was like, really games. odd. Yeah, like I don't know. It's just sometimes you go out there and it's like, okay, who are we playing? Like, who's the guy with momentum? Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, we're gonna put Connor Brown next to Leon Drysaddle for a shift. Okay, like, really. I know. You know. I feel like we buried the lead a little bit because I really wanted to get into this. I set off the jump. Who are we to blame for that game? Oh. It is very easy to blame Evander Kane for that game. Yes. That play 
to not chase down the icing and turn off because I, I, I honestly just don't even understand it. Like I know people are like, Oh, it's laziness, but it's like laziness. Like, you know, that if that's icing, you have to go back onto the ice. It was just one of the most mind numbing moments I've ever seen in a hockey game. Like I watched it live. I was at the game last night and I was like, what the hell was he doing? Why would he not skate for that puck? And then you're kind of, when I was walking out of the arena, I was kind of like, did I miss something there? Mm -hmm. Like, was there a defenseman that was further back that he wouldn't have beaten in the race? But then you go back and watch it. It's like, no, all he had to do was take 10, not even hard strides, medium strides, 10 medium strides. And Swayman would have came out of the net to play it. And then you could have curled and went off the ice. That was an absolutely insane decision. It absolutely cost them the hockey game because you can't use a timeout on an icing. You had to come right back into your own end where Boston can keep their best players on the ice and yourself, McLeod and Nurse are all absolutely gassed. I know some people were like, what the hell was that pass? Okay, Evander Kane was about to be, it would have been on a breakaway, I guess, if the pass connected. But if you're Ryan McLeod in that situation, you're gassed. You're just trying to get that thing out of the zone because you know Evander Kane's gone and he's going to beat it for an icing. The fact he just turned right off is just absolutely crazy, man. And I don't... To me, that is such a terrible, terrible mistake. If I'm Chris Knobloch, I'm never playing that guy in three-on-three overtime again. He's totally lost that privilege. And I think it's bad enough you plummet him down the lineup for a game. He can play on the fourth line next game against Minnesota. That deserves some sort of a punishment. That cost them the hockey game. And it's from a perspective of just being lazy, not paying attention, selfish. I don't even know. Yeah, it was so strange. Uh, I think you said it in there, but a lot of people said it. Island yesterday. You can't call Isons on timeout uh, time on, on Ison. So that was new. Um, yeah, it was weird. I don't get it. But like you said, I was thinking the same thing. It's like when it happened, I thought, okay, this must be going like right into Swayman. But this, this must be like under control here. And next thing you know, like it's just out. But also one thing, Swayman did look like he was out of his net a little bit. So I wonder if Kane, just to defend him a little bit, I think he's to blame. Don't get me wrong, but I wonder if he kind of saw Swayman coming and was like, oh, they're going to call it. They're not going to call it because Swayman's out of his net. Yeah. And ultimately they didn't get called. But it's just like, what are you doing? And, and also like Nalblog to put Kane out there on a defensive draw. It's just weird. Like you have other better defensive forwards if you really want. You can even pull out Derek Ryan out there. I would have put Fogel out there. Fogel out there. Yeah. Anyone. He had like, two goals. He did. It's just strange. And like he should go down the lineup a little bit too. Like I didn't like it. I didn't like his game too much yesterday. And it's just, it was dis- a disappointing way to end the game. Quincy says McLeod is to blame, not Kane. Aiden says could have regrouped. No need to make that pass. I don't know what you're watching. That makes no sense. Again, consider the context of that shift. They're absolutely gassed. Kane is flying the zone. Yeah. If that, let me, let me, here's a great little hypothetical that I think sums up Evander Kane's mindset on that play. If that pass was on his tape, do you think Evander Kane would have taken a couple hard strides on that breakaway? <laughs> no, no. Or do you think he would have just like regrouped and been like, I'm gassed. I need to change. You better believe if that pass was on his tape, he would have been gunning for the net. Yeah. hundred percent. One thousand percent he didn't go for it because he's lazy and doesn't like playing team hockey i have no problem saying that and if you want further proof just from that game last night the hell was going on on that pasternak goal my highlights aren't working but this is the best i could do for you right here he's so far (laughs) ahead of everybody he's insane to look at nurse is also very far ahead of everybody you can I, if but I'm nurse, nurse too, he's like, well, Kane's going, I'm going. I'm getting a change. Yeah, that yeah. like nurse is excused on that play there. But like, how do you turn away from this? I'm trying to find the, uh, the clip here of the actual, the pass from McLeod. Like it's obviously off. Don't get me wrong. It's like, this guy's been out there for a while, but the, that's your moment of the game. Probably. I usually like to keep them positive, but that was (laughs) the moment of the game. game. Disappointing. It's that or the absolute whatever worst breakout pass I've ever seen on planet Earth from Vander Kane to Corey Perry on the was that the pass to goal? Yeah. 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 And I'll be honest on that pass to goal. Yeah. Corey Perry. I he had one hand on his stick. One hand on his stick and he didn't take a hard stride once. Like if Corey Perry takes a hard stride at any point, he either picks up that pass or he at least makes a better defensive play. But like, I, 
maybe I'm absolutely cuckoo. I'm stunned at the amount of people in our chat who are trying to defend Evander Kane on this. Uh, I think it's a clear and obvious error. And like you're gonna make them, but and he made just, two that more or less directly resulted in goals. But that's just like a blatant one to me. That's like, what are you doing, man? Like, I, the only excuse I can think of for him is that he saw Swyman coming out and thought it was gonna get caught in the license. Because but when take, you, but like, I you're not right at the plot. But if you're not no, lazy, you take five hard strides, and it's not even a conversation. I completely agree. He should have. He should have gone. He should have gone. Rusty, I love you. He says it was a bad play by Kane, but calling him lazy and selfish is too much. I honestly don't think it is the way he played last night was inexcusable. And we can even take these two moments we're talking about now totally out of the conversation. Yeah. I'm trying to watch. Here, okay. So here's a clip. We won't be able to see it, but some, I'm sorry, there, I have the highlights. And he's not even like work. that lazy of a pass from McLeod. Dude, he, oh man. If he takes like literally like three steps, I'm probably not going to call it. Yeah. He could have almost like just watching it now drives me even more nuts. <laughs> If he takes two hard strides before McLeod makes that pass, he picks it up off the ho- off the bounce. And he's gone in the clear. The thing is, too, that's kind of frustrating. Nobody else can see this because we don't have the rights. But Kane actually makes a good play to start with by getting in the way of the shot and blocking it. <laughs> and then McLeod, yeah, maybe he could have regrouped. I'll give someone credit for that. Whoever said it was like, come on, man. Like the play that actually happened was Kane didn't, didn't want it. Didn't want to make the play. Oh, I that was just that was a terrible play. It's inexcusable. Remember that? It was like 10 years ago. And the Oilers played the Predators in a game at Rexall Place. And there was a power play. And oh. the Oilers had a two-on-one. And Andre Kostitsin just like went off the ice. And their assistant coach was like jumping up and down, being oh. like, What are you doing? I do remember that. He didn't last much longer in the NHL. No, he didn't. <laughs> oh well. We got a point after being God, terrible man. for a and period. Like, do you want to turn this into a positive? I'm very frustrated right well, now. Well, I'll turn your fr- yeah. I want I want to get positive. Warren Fogel was really yeah. good yesterday. He was and that unreal. Guy, I was thinking, it's like, what is the biggest difference between why is so much success? It, like it's obvious that he plays my dry side with David, and that's going to help. But like, I think he needs organized chaos. Like when he plays with Holloway and McLeod, it is just chaos. Like you do not know what's going to happen. Yeah. But he can kind of just be like, all he needs to do with McLe- uh, with McDavid and Hyman is just kind of work hard and get pucks, and then they will find him. Yep. And then he's like, oh, I have all this open ice. I'm just going to go to the net as hard as I can. And he He's scores. very good at that play of just really driving and pulling it in front. He almost scored a couple more last night. I, I cannot see a scenario now where you can't play that guy in the top six every night. Like for me, you play... So hypothetically, they go out and get... A top six guy, Gensel, mm-hmm. Ebele. He might be better than Ebele right now. Right. It's five on five scoring would tell you it would be. There's a lot of, like, the two guys I would upgrade over Fogo would be Bujnevich and Gensel. That's not breaking news. Those guys are really, really good. If you get either of those guys, I think you have to get a legit third line center who can clearly play similar to help Fogel. Because McLeod, it doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can have McLeod on your left wing and your second line if you want Kane, whoever it may be. Bogle, if you get your top six okay. guy as well. Well, let's get into it with our Sherwood Ford giant question of the show, Liam, because it ties in to exactly what you're talking about there. The Sherwood Ford mobile service van will come to you in the Edmonton region for a bunch of things, even a winter tire swap. I mean, we're slowly getting to the point, probably about a month and a bit away, but you can start to think about getting those winter tires off, mm-hmm. which is a great feeling when that time comes. Sherwood Ford, the giant can take care of you with their mobile service van. They do a ton of other things as well. You can head to their website or give them a call 780-449-8040 to book the mobile service or the free valet pickup and delivery, which is another great feature. It's a laundry list of great reasons why Sherwood Ford, the giant should be your next dealership. Um, Also, our friends at Sherwood Power Sports and Marine are opening up like in the next week out in Sherwood Park. So need to keep plugging that because that is going to be very exciting. Your home, your exclusive spot for everything Yamaha out in Sherwood Park. It is going to be an awesome building to get you hooked up for your favorite outdoor summer activities. Our Sherwood Ford giant question, should Warren Fogle stay in the top six when Ryan Nugent Hopkins is back? See, I made a YouTube poll. Well, How many other languages can I say? Yes. There's three. all i got I, that's all i would know as well um i mean mcdavid you know? fogel hyman was really damn good you could throw nuge with dry and mcleod 
Holloway, Evander, Kane, and Perry. Oh boy, that line would be bad in the D zone. Um, what did you say? Holloway, Kane, and Perry. You can't have Kane and Perry <laughs> on the ice together. I don't think. Um, this is without Nuge. Yeah, so this I, is without Nuge. What would you do though? So if you want to keep Fogel on the top line when Nuge is back, how do you sort out these lines? Well, I do not. I want him to play with Drysaddle, so I'm going to put Nuge back in his spot. Okay, I'm going to put Fogel where McLeod is, and then bump McLeod down third line C. And I'll just move Holloway down to fourth line. So you're, so you're going to go Nuge, McDavid, Hyman. You're going to go Dreisaitl, Kane, and Fogel on the right side. Yeah. And then you're going to go McLeod with Holloway and Perry. No. Yeah, I'll just keep Yamak there. I think Holloway... I need Holloway on the on the fourth line because I need some speed and skill. You need him down there. I think he had, I know... Uh, I think it was Maynard said in the chat. Is like, Did Holloway even play last night? I know he was a bit of a, a void out there, but... I think when he's going, like he can provide something to that team. And that fourth line is brutal. Oh man. And having Holloway on that line will make a big difference, I think. That fourth line was such a black hole last night. They got they got hemmed in their own killed. zone a bunch of times. There was a shift. And this is again where I'll go back to a criticism of Chris Knobloch. I think there was two or three times after the Oilers scored. Two for sure that I noticed. I think I remember a third where the Oilers scored, and one of them was the goal to make it five five, I believe. And the next shift out there was the fourth line. Like starting at center ice after the goal was the fourth line. And Boston would just scoop up a bunch of momentum right away. And it was like, why are we doing that? Why is that the line you want to put out there? Use them in like the odd neutral zone face-off if you need to. But you can't really trust them to do much of anything. Because in in the offensive zone, they struggle. In the D zone, they just get absolutely worked. Because not none of Gagne, Ryan, or Brown really move all that well. Yeah. That's just... Oh man, that fourth line needs a change. So you're right. Maybe going Holloway down to the fourth line, Holloway and Brown could maybe be a duo that plays a little bit better. But like at least there's some. And like you were saying this, and San Gagne's obviously scored some goals this season. Did he play last night? Gagne? I didn't even notice, dude. He barely played last yeah. night. Like I, he got, he played five fifty seven at five on five. Team low. <laughs> That's that brutal. Point. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, you know, just bring up James Hamlin. Like, honestly, bring up Pedersen, bring up Drake Kajula, like bring up literally you could anybody else at this point. And like, we all love Gagne, but take away the name and we're all not as big as fans, right? No. Yeah. Like he's here for the vibes. hundred percent. Oh, hello, Johnny. I know Johnny Lazarus. <laughs> our pal Johnny Lazarus is in the chat. He said, uh, did you guys talk about Kane McLeod and Nurse being out there for the Ising and OT? What Kane, do you mean? Kane could have negated it. <laughs> oh, Johnny, have we ever talked about Re- it already? Rewind, rewind. And you won't believe this, Johnny. Scroll up in the chat and see the people defending Kane on that. It's just unbelievable. Um, I, yeah. I, like, I, I would keep Derek Ryan here. He at least he, has his moments. He's the best of the three. Of to the, me, Derek two, Ryan's sorry. your ideal 13th forward. Me too. I agree. He's, you he's, can sit him for four or five lot. games and not feel bad mm-hmm. and then just drop him in and know that he's, for the most part, going to give you, I think, mistake-free hockey, right? Yeah. Um, I agree. Connor Brown, like, God, I, I am frustrated as hell. I get it. When Nick Alberga is sending out tweets being like, Austin Matthews so has 50 goals before Connor Brown has one. Yeah. Oh, he was in the God. chat How just about, being a dick. Uh, what Pete Blackburn tweeted out last night. Did you see that? So, Mc, uh, McMatthews. Matthews obviously scored his 50th last night in Arizona. And um, he pulled up three different tweets. One of them was Nick Alberga. That's why I remind him, but it was like, Austin Matthews scores his 50th goal of the season. He's now on pace for 77. The next one was oh, yeah. Austin Matthews scores his 50th. Now on pace for 76. It's and like, someone else said 78. 70, it's like, what is, what is it? going on? What is the answer here? So, yeah, shout out Austin Matthews. Credit to him. I mean, that guy knows how to score goals. It's kind of unbelievable. It'd be nice to have him on the team when he's here in four years when he leaves. Yeah, Dr. Carpy, he's here for the vibes. I guess this is Cabo San Lucas, not a hockey team. Sam Gagne should be your 14th forward. His vibe check should be in in Bakersfield. Yeah, I mean, my vibes. I bring him up. Bring him up for the playoffs. Yeah, let him be. Uh, I, listen, I'm not excusing. Like yeah, we just said, if his name was anything else, we'd probably be a lot harsher on him. But he's also a part of a more collective problem. I would say. I agree. But I, I do think like adding some more forward depth to this team, even in a game where they score five goals against the Boston Bruins. It's apparent they need more forward depth, and I do think they have some pieces that can contribute to a solid bottom six. But I do think like if you were to get one more high-end third-line player and you can bump Holloway down to be your 4C and you had a fourth line, like is a fourth line of Derek Ryan, Dylan Holloway, and Connor Brown terrible? 
Let's or because you have terrible, some speed. But he's not uh, ideal. Like, I know Boston kind of misses some plays, but Trent Frederick plays in that third line. He has 16. 15 goals this year. 16, 16 now. now. Yeah, you're right. So it's like, the others can barely put together 16 points with that fourth line. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. really need an upgrade. And like, if push comes to shove and you get to the deadline, it's like, okay, we have Ryan, Holloway, and Brown. I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world. But also, I said this a couple of weeks ago about the top six. Like, experiment with Fogle in there. See if he can actually do it. He comes up and he does it. Just call up some guys from Bakersfield. Like, see what they can actually do. You've got, what, 15 days here now? Give him a run. Like, maybe Elaine Peterson comes up and catches fire. Maybe he, like, sticks around and he's good. Like, we don't know because they're not doing it because instead they're keeping in Derek Ryan and Matias Yama because they kill penalties, which is now allowing a power play goal for, like, six straight games. Yeah, PK stinks. It's brutal. And it's just like, come on, give these guys a chance. Like, they've experimented with Lavoie. I think he had a run. Maybe he can come back up and do something else. But I would honestly give some other boys a chance here. Of the 12 forwards, we'll include Nuge in this. So of the 13 forwards, we'll say currently on the roster. Okay. How many of them would you actually be comfortable with being in the lineup night one of the playoffs? So like, okay, Fogel, McDavid, Hyman, boom, lock. Kane, Drysaddle, McLeod, locked. Holloway's a lock. Perry's a lock. Uh, well, I Con- guess everyone, but yeah, I'm, I would honestly be fine. with. I'd be confident with Brown in the lineup. Like I know that if he's crazy. yeah if he's a fourth line winger sure so Connor Brown you're in there do you think you can have both Connor Brown and Derek Ryan in the same lineup no I don't the only I've got Nuge in there as well so we're we're debating if you have Connor Brown and Derek Ryan that's forwards ten and eleven more or less I would only be uncomfortable with Gagne and Ryan in the lineup because of their foot speed at least Yamak like I don't think I think he's more of an American League player right now but. I don't know. It wouldn't be for me. So then is it fair to say you can have you can have one of Yanmark or Ryan and one of or sorry, one of Brown or Yanmark and one of Gagne and Ryan? Sorry, one of Yanmark and who? Brown. Brown. Yeah. Right? PK specialist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably not going to score all that much. Yanmark's maybe a little more trustworthy, but Brown... I don't know, maybe creates a little bit better in terms of chances. Obviously, I know not goals, but in terms of chances, Brown creates a hair better than him. And then Gagne and Derek Ryan, it's Gagne, you're just looking for someone who makes plays. Derek Ryan at least brings you the penalty kill side of things, also makes plays, but Derek Ryan's definitely better than him. So you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's probably a reasonable way to... So then you need to go get two forwards ahead of the deadline. There we go. Go Ken. Giddy up. Like, that shouldn't be that difficult, should it? You know, this is the one-year anniversary of when Bob Stoffer called him out. I saw that. And then he went and got echo. Six days later. That's the thing. Like, I'm trying not to, I'm not in panic mode by any means. The no. team is perfectly fine. They're going to go into playoffs and they're going to be a good team. But there's clearly some faults in this lineup. And I know earlier in the year I called for his head, but like, got to kind of trust Uncle Ken on this because he's proven it in the past that he's willing to pull the trigger on mm-hmm. on deals. Like, we've had echo. I know some years it's been like, um, what's that Russian defenseman that we got? Anton Belov? No, the other one. Uh, Kulikov. Yeah, Dimitri Kulikov, yes. But that was kind of like a bit of a need that they needed. Got a fourth-round pick for him. Uh, Trade him, get him for a fourth-round pick. Like, he's done business. I think he's going to do some stuff here, but it's just not a lot going on. This market sucks. We're here two week, a week ago talking about Nick Dowd going for a first-round pick because he has an extra year on his contract. You always can't go out and get a fourth-line center next year for a million bucks. Yeah, you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's Lane it's, Peterson's under contract, got a two year deal. Exactly. So it's Derek Ryan. Contract comparable on cap friendly is Derek Ryan for Nick Dowd. So there you go. Like I don't know. Yeah, this market's so weird. Do you think there's a layer of this trade market too where Ken Holland is trying to get as much cap space as he can before the deadline? Yeah, maybe. Like I think that's gotta be part of it, you know? Because they could get I think it's up to two point Close to 2.2 if they I'm wait. so dumb when it comes to that stuff. I'm I know. I, I am kind of too. It's a bit weird, but. Which is not helping our whole, these guys don't know what they're talking about narrative. Well, to be fair. We're not trying to pretend to be something we're not. Definitely not me. No. Definitely not me. Either. No, no. Anyways. Um, let's keep moving along with the show here. What else we got? Well, we, I think, okay. We spent- it piggybacks off of what you just said. The market. Yeah, we've. I think we've dissected that game last night enough. We're pissed off at Kane. I don't understand the people in the chat who love standing up for that guy, but like, whatever. Um, Skinner wasn't good by any stretch. He's had a couple of rough games. Got to get him sorted out. 
Chris Knobloch made a bunch of really weird, if not bad decisions as the team's head coach last night. So there you go. That's kind of the main. Oh, but the comeback was absolutely electric. And this team continues to be elite in the third period. Yeah. The only thing I'll say is it's clearly evident that Skinner's play is dictated off how the team plays in front of him. Like, I think think he can steal games for us for sure, but like, they've got to be better to help Skinner. They can't just allow David Pasternak to come in to his lot with like one defenseman on the ice and think, this will be great. Hopefully, Skinner saves us. And then, you know, there you go. All right. Go on. Couple couple things to get to here quickly. The Charm Diamond YouTube chat. You guys have been absolutely on fire so far today. Charm Diamond Center is proudly Canadian owned. You can check out their large selection of Canadian lab grown diamonds, mine diamonds, and you don't have to pay until 2025 with their instant in-store financing OAC Head to charmdiamondcenters.com to not just check out their in-stock inventory, but also find out a little bit more about the masterpiece program at charm. You can get a custom ring built and delivered in less than four weeks. And it all comes with their unbeatable pricing policy. Chime charm diamond centers, YouTube chat, our pal, Johnny, he's firing us a lot of questions in there. Johnny Lazarus putting in some overtime today for the company, making sure our show's got some topics. He said, do you blame Skinner on the Pasternak goal or is it just David Pasternak being David Pasternak? Well, that, that, that's just a terrible giveaway by the Oilers, Kane Perry duo there. And then you give David Pasternak that kind of space. He's scoring most of the time. And it's the same with Marshawn too. And he scored like, it was a bad goal to allow, but at the end of the day, it's not like Dante Heinen's coming down the wing and sniping yeah. one on you, right? Like, Pasternak is one of the best goal scorers in the league. Sometimes they're going to score goals. And that's all it can be. I think Skinner was not good last night by any means, but I blame, again, the play in front of him. Yeah, that's fair. I'm checking out some other things. Uh, Mr. Burns said we can battle it out over arcade games on Saturday, Tyler. I'm excited for our party at Greta coming up this Saturday. BOA watch party happening downtown at our usual party spot at Greta pregame show. Going to be going live from there as well. You can get your tickets now at nationgear.ca. The prepaid shot when Edmonton buries their first goal, free swag at the door and that ticket you're buying. It of course all goes towards a good cause as we are in support of free play for kids with this event. So it's a Saturday night doors at seven o'clock pregame show will be kicking off right about then as well. And then we'll be partying late into the night after an Oilers dub. Let's get to our rumor roundup for today. Liam, it is brought to you by star mechanical. Check them out online at starmechanical.ca. Usually it's the guest line for star mechanical, but we're doing things a little bit differently today. We had Frank on the show yesterday and he teased a little bit of his new trade targets list, but it finally dropped today. So let's take a look at the new look top 10 on Frank Saravalli's trade targets board. Um, Okay, Hannafin, obviously not a fit for the Oilers. Chris Tanev, I think could be. And I think... I didn't get him. I I really do. I think that's the guy. With T's too much, they're in too deep. So here's where I'm just a little bit didn't Frank say it wasn't their priority yesterday? I don't remember. <laughs> I'm quite certain that's what he said. I'm like, I would like to see Tanev as an upgrade on CC. And if it costs you, you know, a first round pick, cause you need Calgary to take back CC as well. Then mm-hmm. so be it. I also think Calgary could look at Cody CC as. Okay. Don't laugh at me for this comparable, but their line of thinking with getting Kuzmenko in the Lindholm deal. I thought the same. It an was asset for next year, right? It's like an asset for next year. You test drive him. If he fits, you keep him. If next year goes really, really bad, you keep half of the deadline and move them with CC as much as we do not like him or we don't like the spot he's mm-hmm. playing in and he can't be a third pairing D man with his contract. If Calgary were to keep 50% of that at next year's deadline, some team would like Cody CC as, as oh, depth on D definitely. I mean, Ben so, Chirot went for a first round pick a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, that's you know a I mean? great <laughs> point. Um, so I like Tanev as a fit. I like Gensel as a fit. I like Henrique as a fit, just adding some more depth down the middle. But I'll be honest, I don't think the Oilers have the assets to get two of those three. Not even close. I think you have the ability to go get one big ad on the blue line and then like a small medium ad up front. Or you can make your big ad up front and you're doing small medium on the blue line or just straight up small on the blue line. Sorry, who's your third player in there? Tanev, Gensel, Henrique. Two, three, and four on Frank's list. Yeah, that's it. It's a long list of a long shopping list, expensive one. Yeah. Gosh, you're shopping at Sobeys. I'm at Walmart. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm a save on foods guy. Uh, Jake Allen, Sean Walker, the market, or at least the the clamoring for Walker has kind of cooled a little bit. Rightfully uh, so. And I think it's just because, like, again, I would just rather pay up for Tanev, even if it is just a little bit more pay up. Right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Even if you have to overpay again, like if you, if Calgary is going to other teams saying second round pick, but you go to them and say, okay, first round pick for Tanev, but you got to keep half and take CC. And Calgary goes, okay, maybe next year we can trade CC for like a second or a third or a third at the deadline. And he's a warm body for us. And you're giving us a first. So we're willing to keep some money like unlikely, but you never know. Um, Nick Dowd at seven. I do like him as a fit. Um, there's a handful of guys really in this top 10, like Tanev, Gensel, Henrique, Dowd, and Lawton. Five of the top 10 for me are fits for the Oilers. Yeah, Tanev, Gensel. Yeah, the only ones I own really are Hannafin, Allen, Marks from the goalies. I don't see Riley Smith coming here. Yeah, like a lot of the guys on that. I just think Tanev like just really, really solidifies that blue line. But you're probably a lot more confident in the minutes you have Darnell Nurse on the ice if he can you know, rely on a guy like Tanev and he's not the one who's always just trying to keep the pairing afloat. Right. Yeah. And, and like, obviously there's, there's always going to be the conversation until he gets traded that it's like, Oh, why would Calgary do that? So, well, they've made two trades with Vancouver this season. Yeah. I, I think they care about getting the best price. I used to buy into the, you know, BOA tax, if you want to call yeah. it that, but Frank says not to. So I is to a Saturday, the last time they played Calgary this season. No, they play me in late, late. Uh, wait, no, they've already played, they played twice. Yeah. I think you're right. So once they play him on Saturday, maybe they just like, well, we're not going to see him again. What does it matter to us? Yeah, who cares? You know, I, I really think that could be the guy they get. I don't know. The fact that they've called and like there was a, an article yesterday saying there's, I think there's four teams in on him. Dallas, Colorado, Vancouver, and Edmonton. Yeah. April 6th, Flames. Ah, so there's a fourth well, time. Like oh, April 6th, cares? they're going to be down on dumps anyway. Exactly. Right? What does it matter to them? I would just, I just see Cody Cece last night and I just think like, what if that happens in the playoffs? Like that, what if the Stanley Cup final and that happens, you know, yeah. like you remember Tanev last season, like he's playing uh, the BOA, like he was injured. Oh he's yeah. Like trying to play and do everything. Like people keep saying you need warriors in the playoffs. I completely agree. I think that guy would be unbelievable for Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, Rusty asked, is Scott Lawton a center? Yes, he is. So the centers on this list are Henrique Dowd and Lawton. Two of them come with term. Lawton's got two more years at three mil. Dowd's got one more at 1.2. And then Henrique is done after this year. He's the most expensive of the bunch, though, at like a $5.75 million five, cap. 5825. Five. A lot of money. Um, all right, let's go to the next rung. It's 11 through 20. Buchnevich, love. Love, 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 love. I'd pay whatever they want. But I just don't know how you fit it in this year. This year? Yeah. St. Louis. Send down Yamok. Dude, he's $5.8 oh, million. Dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's definitely tough. Like, that's. That's, I don't know how you would even do it. Yeah. Find a way. It's, it, it, it'd be really hard just with that term. Chikrin, no. Carrier, I like Carrier. Can, is Carrier a top four guy on a cup contender? He handles heavy minutes in Nashville. So, like, you I know. think yes. I don't know if he's a top pairing guy on a cup contender, but I guess they won't need him to because their top pairings are Coleman mm-hmm. and Boucher, despite what the lineup sheet says. Mm-hmm. He's good. He's seems a little bit more intelligent in moments than what CC can be like hockey IQ, I guess some intelligence, but I like him. I think he's a good check down option. If you miss on Tanev. Yeah, that's fair. So again, the only thing I'm, the thing I'm worried about dealing with Nashville is they've already retained salary on two guys. They have Johansson and uh, Ekholm in their dead cap. So they can only retain on one more. Would they be willing to keep any of that 2.5 mil of Alexander Carrier? I don't know. But Nashville being maybe a bit of a one-stop shop for the Oilers in the sense, I know Friedman wrote about it a little bit. What if you can get Tommy Novak out of Nashville? I was thinking yes. that too. You get a good, impactful bottom six guy in Novak who scores, man. He can put the puck in the net. No, and, you, and you get Carrier, and if they'd be willing to take CC, the cap switches. So would you do? Actually, I'll, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save that talk. I got a, I got a service credit union mock trade for uh, after this segment. Uh, Tarasenko, interesting check down option. I think if, if you're out on a guy like Gensel because you don't like the price, then Tarasenko is a really, really intriguing fit. 
I think after like the tiers are kind of Gensel at the top to Foley if he were to come available. Boom. Okay. Then it's probably like Buchnevich is so damn good, but it'll be so hard to get him. But he's in that top tier too. So there's like a top tier of three. And then Tarasenko is really the one B for me. I worry about him defensively, but he scores a lot. Putting a shooter next to Drysaddle would be very, very tempting. Love it. The next tier is Mantha, Duclair, and Eberle for me. And Eberle, I think, comes later in the list. But Mantha, Duclair, and Eberle. What do you make of the idea of Anthony Mantha? I like Mantha. Um, don't believe he's ever played a full 82 season. Nope. So that's a bit of a worry, I guess, depending on his health further down the road. But I like him. He's a big body. Plays, he actually plays on his offside. So if you ever need him to play on the other side, it's an option too, right? Better versatility there. I like him as like a far down option, but his cap is what, six million? I I think it's Buchnevich territory there, five point eight something. I guess it uh, is, right? but like five point seven. So you got you'd have to that's basically like well, let's look at it like this. If Ottawa's sitting there going, we want a second rounder for Vlad Tarasenko. Mm-hmm. And you need to get a third party involved to get the cap it down to a real reasonable number. So it's a second and a fourth for him. What if Washington sits there and is like, hey, you know, we just want to get this guy off the books. Maybe it's a little bit of like do right by the player, give him a chance to play in his contract year. But what if Washington's like, okay, we'll do a second. Uh, no, it'd probably be about the same then. I have a hard time believing they'd do it for just a third. Yeah. But if you get him retained twice, Matt, the, you can squeeze in anybody if you can get them retained twice, honestly. Yeah, everyone's available for, for if you can do that. I like Mantha's further down on my list because of his track record of health, but he's got a lot of scoring ability. Yeah, he's good. And having a big body like that in the playoffs would be solid. But Terrence, I like Terrence. Um, five, Mantha. Mulek said Mantha's almost a cap dump, though. So, like, I mean, maybe Washington would. Maybe if you went to them and were like, hey, you keep the first 50% or you keep 30% of it, keep a third, we'll give you a third. And then go find another broker somewhere. We'll give them a fourth and they'll keep another third of it. It's 17 goals this season. Like he's, he's, yeah, he's scoring at a 30 goal pace, more or less, or real close to it. But last year, 11 goals in 67 games. I mean, that's not terrible. Average 14 minutes a night. He's, he's an intriguing one to me as like a check down to your check downs, you know? Yeah. I wonder, like, I don't hate Duclair either. I just keep, I keep thinking about that Ryan O'Reilly trade from last season. And just how they got like Noel Achari in that deal as well. Like, which would, if there's a way the others can do that themselves, which goes back to doing the Carrier and Novak thing. Yeah. And even I'm, like, I'm sold on that now. Yeah. Even like Bushnevich, if you can get like Sunquist, that's good. He's not mm-hmm. as good in the face off circle. That gets real expensive though. That does. But I'm just, I'm just thinking outside the box here. Like, yeah. Henrik, again, expensive, but like, Sam Carrick's right there as well. If you wanted to get another cheaper guy, like, and then your then your center depth, you can move really McLeod good. to the wing full time, Nuge to the wing full time, and run McDavid, Drysaddle, Henry, Carrick. It's good. I don't hate that. And then you also have the depth of having twenty sentiment on your rosters if anything happens. Yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, Mulek said Mantha seventy five percent for third and fourth is interesting. I agree. Lance, we're just spitballing. So we have spitballing. So it's basically Welcome all we ever silly do. season because no trades have happened in like yeah. three weeks. I, I do like Henry Carrick said bring Cassian home. Agreed. Okay, let's go to the next rung. 21 through 30. Zucker, no. Kulak, already an oiler. Hoffman stinks. Kaliev, no. Flurry. Frank thinks there's about a 10% chance they actually move him. He thinks Flurry kind of wants to stay put. Provorov. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You think of Ivan Provorov. Who wouldn't want Provorov? He's a good player, but is he a righty? What are we looking at? Uh, no, he's a left shot. Do you want so, him? yeah, you're right. And if he was a righty, I'd be more intrigued in that. Salary's but. already retained on him, too. But if Columbus were to keep it again, it's from 475 down to like 2.375. Nah, probably not a fit. Not a fit. No, I don't think so. Uh, Jordan Greenway, again, I, I like the player if you were to make him like a bottom six ad. Expensive, um, isn't he? But he's expensive. I don't like the cap it. Three mil for this year and next. You're just... You're not adding a $3 million bottom six guy. So I am totally fine with 
yeah, no, I, I stay away. Brandon Duhame, Morgan Frost, but the one we skipped over there is Jordan Eberle. Yesterday, I was at the Oilers game. Yep. Met, did you uh, see him? No, I did oh. not see him. Uh, but I was sitting by a gentleman. I, I hope I'm not messing up his name. I think he said it was Dallin from Saskatchewan, watches our show. Oh, welcome. But yeah, I was sitting next to him at the game and he wanted to know. He was like, Eberle or Gensel? He's like, which one would you go get? Oh, Gensel. Well, it's Gensel, <laughs> but okay, let me just give you my line of thinking here. All right. Gensel costs you two firsts. Plus a fourth to get a third-party broker involved. Yeah. Eberly maybe costs you one first. Right? Maybe. And a fourth to retain? Maybe a first. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you have any... so different. Right? Okay. Do you have any hope in hell of re-signing Gensel? No. You cannot afford him. Is there a chance you could re-sign Eberly to a hometown sweetheart deal to end his career here? Definitely. But how old is Eberly now? Like, I'm not, I like Eberly. I would welcome him back. He's 33. And I saw someone earlier saying if it wasn't for the sentimental value, we wouldn't be considering Everly. This is just like uh, Gagne, but it's not. Everly's still productive. Everly's been a good playoff performer. Like, I, Ryan, I would says, definitely welcome him, but I just, I'm standing by my point. I really think Warren Fogel be, can be a top six winger on this team because he can, but again, I, I, adding the depth is important. Yeah. Like really getting Everly isn't replacing Warren Fogel or upgrading Warren Fogel. Getting Everly is just adding depth. Yep. That's probably fair. Yeah, I wouldn't mind him. It's interesting. Twenty, yeah. Where's Seattle at right now? They're out of the playoff picture, right? Yeah, they are. I mean, if you want to put Eberle on your third line, and go ahead. Then it's like, oh god, are you giving up too much for a guy who's on your third line? But then again, we the market's stupid. Mm -hmm. Apparently, everyone's worth a first round pick nowadays, anyway. Yeah, and I shouldn't even say Seattle's out of it. I mean couple points and if they win their game in hand, they're right there with St. Louis and Nashville. So they might even want to hold on and try and make a push. I think we have 10 more players to go through in uh, the trade targets list here, 30 through 40. But did Frank's list go that long? Oh, it did John Merrill, Tessier, Merzlikens, K, Sealer, D'Angelo, no. Um, Kevin Hayes, not happening. Roslovic, no. I mean, I'd like Hayes. I oh, just to Edmonton, or just in general. I have a funny feeling he's just not going to get moved, but even. Edmonton, I wouldn't hate them. Good third line center, but you're paying a lot to get them to retain. I feel like St. Louis is just going to get to a point where it's like, we have six guys available and yeah. now we've moved one and now we're happy. Yeah. You know, I thought that's probably whether LeBanc, no Zegers, like obviously not. So nothing really going on at the end of Frank's list there, but that is our rumor roundup for our friends at star mechanical Edmonton's number one plumbing and heating company. They are locally owned and operated and they've been doing some fine work for the last couple of decades all around the Edmonton area. Liam, let's get to our mock trade. I'm going to throw you one here. The trade is fake, but you know what's real? Money you can win with the service Big Share Contest. It's back for a sixth year with your chance to win $1 million just by saving money. Anyone can enter by becoming a member and saving with service. Every $500 saved gives you five entries into the service Big Share Contest. You can even transfer your existing savings to service for a chance to win $1 million. The contest ends April 30th, 2024. Skill test required for rules. Visit service.ca slash win. Uh, All right. Let's try to get Carrier and Novak. What are we giving up here to do this thing? So I think part one of it is if you're getting Carrier, you are moving on from Cody CC. You view Carrier as a Cody CC upgrade if you're the Oilers. So CC's got to go back. So we got Carrier and Novak coming in. You're adding a bottom six piece and Novak. You're adding a top four piece and Alexander Carrier. CC to make the money work. What would you be willing to add to that deal? First round pick for sure. I mean, probably, right? Like it's getting two pieces. Four bottom four picks in a draft. So you could do that. So what did you say? Sorry, CC and the first for Carrier and Novak. I mean, isn't Hell it just yeah. like a Sign middle, me up right now. Maybe like a middle six pick, a uh, middle <laughs> draft pick or whatever. Sure. They'll uh, pick. That's what I was trying to I see. And I don't even know. I mean, that's a law. At the end of the day, Cody CC is an NHL player who can probably play top four minutes for a team. Yeah. Giving up a lot. Like, I don't know. I don't know how much more. What if they? What if they said they'll give you back your fourth this year? Because Edmonton traded their fourth in the Ekholm deal. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Like, and then we, do we have to add another pick? No, I'm terrible. I didn't make these first. Picks. First CC for Carrier, Novak, and a fourth. Yes, yeah, yeah, that sounds good to me. I, I think again, like Carrier is the the check down option from Matanev, and Novak would help that bottom six massively. That bottom six is brutal. 
they need to find a way to add to that. And I need really, to get someone who can drive play. I really miss, I missed, I really think like adding anyone to that bottom six would make this team so, so much better. Mm-hmm. Someone on the Facebook said, what about Shabbat and Tarasenko from Ottawa? What? Well, that would be awesome. But do you remember actually, was it Frank that came on here and said like Ottawa might move away from a, I think they're open. It's going to be very difficult to get. I'm not saying him, but like, I don't think Ottawa moving on from one of those like top guys would be anything too crazy. Yeah, just because they have a lot of good young D men, right? Or they have a handful of young well, D men. If you're half decent in Ottawa, you're going to need a deal. Hell yeah. All right, there you go. That's our mock trade for Service Credit Union and the Service Big Share Contest. Wendy's Daily Face Off Survivor Bowl. Are you still alive? I forgot to play. You forgot to play? Well, we were busy on Monday. I made my pick Monday. I forgot to play Tuesday. Oh, well, that was good. Did you win on Monday? Yeah. <laughs> brutal, man. Just absolutely brutal. I just can't buy a break in this game. You can have your say at dailyfaceoffsurvivor.com. It is all brought to you by Wendy's and the Wendy's app where you can score 150 bonus reward points just by downloading it today. So you can be a winner because you get fed nice and good from our friends at Wendy's and you stack up the rewards points and then you play Daily Face Off Survivor. And what happens? You start racking up more and more points. You win some prizes. It's a win win-win situation. What do you like tonight? Pasternak, to give, he only had four yesterday, so four and a half shots, that number's high. Carolina, Florida to beat Carolina. Sure. That sounds like a good one. Yeah. That's uh, I'm going to go tie the second point. Ooh, that's a good one. He's like point a game this year, close to it. He's, uh, he's had a great year. Mm-hmm. Him and Duchesne have been unreal in Dallas. Tyler Sagan, what a career that guy could have had. I, he, I, I mean, I he's had a good grade. Don't get me wrong, but like, felt like that guy was just like destined for stardom. You know what I mean? He, he had some really good seasons. Who had a better he's career, been, him or Taylor Hall? Taylor Hall, he has an MVP. But he has Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah but he was like a healthy scratch. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, almost a thousand games for Taylor Sagan. Nine hundred. Jesus, <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. Remember the Taylor versus Tyler debate? I do. Who would you rather have now? Hey, well, you know what? Let's uh, flash forward to next year's NHL trade deadline, Liam, when we're getting the Taylor Hall hype train going. <laughs> Again? Hey, done this a few times. He'll be in the last year of his deal, six million bucks, twice retained. Mm. I mean, they're definitely going to move out on him. I would welcome Taylor Hall. Hey, if we're bringing back, I believe we may as well bring back Hall, too. What do you, what do you give up this summer if Chicago... Yeah, Magnus Poyavi. <laughs> <laughs> what, if, what if Chicago calls you up and is like, hey, we'll take Campbell off your hands. And you go, okay, yeah, take Campbell off our hands, but we'd like a gently use Taylor Hall back in that deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, oh boy. I don't know. I mean, I'd probably give up a few picks because you're getting a good NHL in return, right? Ready? Rapid fire. First, Broberg Campbell for Taylor Hall. This Broberg Campbell for Taylor Hall. Uh, yes, but I would like a pick back as well from... Uh, no, I wouldn't do that. First, you get rid of Campbell, Broberg for all. Oh, yeah, I guess it is like first plus to get rid of Campbell. Yeah, not even, that's the, not even a full a value kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? All right. Let's wrap up the show with our menu for the, with the menu for our friends at DoorDash, 25% off zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more. When you use that promo code up at the top of your screen, nation 25, that's 25% off on your first order of $15 or more. Yesterday I executed my plan perfectly. Liam, okay. I sat in my truck. I, or in the nation truck, I ordered up my burrito I put my phone in my little clip and then I knew exactly when I was 15 minutes away. I hit order, pulled up to the burrito shop, walked in, ready to go, boom, out, eat my burrito at home. I was my own DoorDash driver, which is a nice thing. It's not just always delivery. You can use it to your own advantage. Also, the Double Dash feature lets you add a second stop to your delivery with no extra fees included. DoorDash, dash that for the win. Uh, New Nation Real Life today. We're going to have a full recap of our nation vacation out in Arizona. We're obviously going to be talking a little bit more about the Oilers game last night. So a lot going on on the Real Life podcast. I'm sure we'll get into a handful of different tangents there as well. Um, That's about it for today, I think. Hey. Notebook, notebook, notebook. Notebook is dropping today. Yes, yes. yes. New trade targets list. We got to dissect it too. So it'll be Coomzy, just you Coomzy and Coomzy. Today. No, Zach. Lang. All right. AB and Coomzy dropping some fresh content later on today as well. That's a wrap on today's edition of the show. Tomorrow, Friday, it is a game day on a Friday. The Oilers have back-to-back sets or a set of back-to-backs 
this weekend. So it's a short for giant game day. Jay's going to be here. Betway game day, betting challenge, all of that good stuff, all from the sports closet studio. Big shout out to everyone in the charm diamond centers, YouTube chat today. You, we had a lot of fun. We disagreed a little bit. I don't mind that though. It's okay to get a little bit spicy tomorrow. We'll just set our sights on an Oilers game against the wild. Calvin Pickard expected to start for the oil. According to Jack Michaels. Good, good. Still no R and H. It's a practice day. He'll be back. I think he'll be back. All right. uh, But Calvin Pickard expected to start tomorrow. So I'll have a full game day breakdown tomorrow at noon mountain time. We'll chat with you then. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts. Good news. Ad free listening is available on Amazon music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.